This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Cassandra Baldini with Financial Standard. Today's episode is brought to you by MFS Investment Management and I'm sitting down with MFS Portfolio Manager Nick Paul. It's the age-old question, does size really matter? Well, when assessing equities, the answer is a resounding yes. But bigger isn't always better. While many investors show a preference for the major names they know and love, it's small to mid-cap stocks that have gained popularity in recent years and outperformed their larger counterparts. Their added benefits of providing diversification and lower risk make them just right for client portfolios. Nick, I'm really looking forward to hearing your views on this, so let's just jump right in. Great. Thanks, Cassandra. Why are you excited about the small and mid-cap asset class? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. You know, as, as an active manager, um, and MFS being an, an active manager, the small and mid-cap asset class is, it really gets you excited. It's an extremely inefficient asset class. And what I mean by that is if you look at the number of names in our universe, names, investable names in our universe, it's close to 8,000 names. Um, so there's tremendous opportunity from an active standpoint, from an inefficiency standpoint, if you have the research capabilities in place to really discover unique opportunities in this asset class. And on top of just the, the, the sheer number of names, so close to 8,000 names within the, the index, from a, a sell side perspective, these names are actually very, very thinly covered, particularly if you take a long-term view. And we do take a very long-term view as a, as a firm um, in our strategy, the global small and mid-cap uh, strategy at MFS. We tend to look out three, five years in terms of our holding period for the companies that we're looking at. And if you compare that to, to sell-side research in this asset class, um, if you start to look out three-plus years and look at companies where there are actually less than three analysts who have a forward three-year view on companies. There's, there's roughly 3,000 names out there that are just very, very thinly covered by sell-side, particularly if you're taking a long-term approach. So it's a combination of, of, of inefficiency, the ability to leverage our global research platform to identify opportunities. And then I would say even from a timing standpoint, Valuation alone is, is not enough to, 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 to make an, an, an investment or an investment thesis around. But if you do look at valuations today within the small and mid-cap asset class relative to large-cap companies, there are about two standard deviations cheap relative to large-caps. In fact, you'd have to go back nearly 20 years to find a number, another opportunity from a valuation standpoint where small and mid-cap has been this attractive relative to, to large-caps. Wow, that's incredible. So what are the characteristics that make this asset class compelling then? Well, I think the, the, the main characteristics that, that make it compelling today, and you sort of touched on this in, in your introduction, is really the diversification of the asset class. So today, as large cap benchmarks and global benchmarks have become very, very concentrated, particularly in mega cap technology names, particularly mega cap technology names domiciled within the, uh, the U.S. Um, I really do believe that diversification benefit that small and mid cap stocks potentially offer investors is going to be very, very compelling over the next five to 10 years. And I, I say the next five to 10 years 
because if you went back over the last decade, so think sort of the 10-year period post the global financial crisis up until the global pandemic, diversification really didn't matter, right? In a world of, of zero inflation and, and zero interest rates where, where valuations were, were sort of thrown out the window and it was really dominated by technology and the, the digital revolution and then the whole stay-at-home trade, diversification didn't, didn't matter. You just had to buy long duration, mega cap technology stocks, and you, you hit a home run. But that's not the world we live in today, right? So we all know that that inflation is significantly higher today. Interest rates are obviously significantly higher today. So I think diversification and the benefits of diversification are going to mean, uh, mean a lot as you start to look out over the next five to 10 years. It's hard to imagine such a world where diversification <laughs> was, yes. wasn't as important as it is today. So. I guess why consider global small caps and mid caps instead of the more common small caps only approach? Yeah, great question. We get that question quite often as one of the few managers who uh, takes a, a small and mid cap approach to the, the asset class. So uh, many of our competitors run small cap only uh, strategies, which is, which is completely fine. But what we found when we first launched this strategy over a decade ago was that historically, if you went back over time and looked at the performance differential between small cap and small and mid cap, historically, there, there wasn't a significant um, uh, performance advantage by being small cap only. They have outperformed small and mid over the long term, but that, that performance advantage is, is relatively narrow. But we believe and we continue to believe by extending your universe into the mid cap space, there's just a lot of advantages there that you don't get in, in, sm in a small cap only approach. Um, number one, it's just an expanded universe, right? So you expanded your universe by roughly 2,000 names. Um, the small cap benchmark is roughly 6,000 names. Our benchmark is roughly 8,000 names. Um, you know, these are companies that uh, are, are a bit in the mid cap space, a bit more uh, mature businesses, right? So they're they're probably midway through a, a new product cycle or through a, a new market industry, but they're they're still small enough where they've got significant growth opportunities in front of them. And then the other thing too is it does allow us to hold on to our quote unquote winners or, or strong performing stocks a bit longer and allow that to play out and to mature. So rather than having to arbitrarily sell a name as it sort of graduates into the mid cap space, we can continue to hold that name um, where we see opportunities. And then, you know, finally, by extending into mid cap, it does offer a bit more liquidity versus small cap only as well. Um, and liquidity, as we all know, in small and mid caps is, is very, very important, has to be a big consideration and part of your process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Australian portfolios tend to have a heavy weight to global large and mega cap names. What roles can small and mid caps play in investor portfolios? Yeah, I, I really think that this just all comes back to the conversation we just had around diversification. Um, so both from a, a name standpoint and, and also from a sector standpoint, small and mid cap stocks offer you know, plenty of diversification that you might not otherwise get in sort of global standard or certainly global large cap uh, benchmarks um, today. Those benchmarks have just become very, very concentrated, as we all know, in mega cap technology names. And that and that's fine. You know, these are great companies and they're going to be around for, for a long time, but you do lose the diversification benefits that those 
global standard benchmarks or large cap benchmarks were really designed to provide investors historically, that's no longer the case. You know, I think as as index providers, you know, developed these these cap weighted benchmarks decades ago, they never envisioned it, you know, a two trillion dollar phone company or a trillion dollar plus e-commerce company. That really wasn't in the cards. So, you know, I think the initially the the benefits of diversification were were there for these cap weighted benchmarks, but that's really dissipated over time. Um, and so I think there's a big gap today in investor portfolios from a diversification standpoint and small and mid can help sort of fill that gap. Well, how long has MFS been investing in this asset class? What's the experience been? Yeah, great, great question. So we've been at it a, a long time, um, not only in, in terms of just active management more, more broadly. So next year we'll be celebrating our 100-year anniversary at MFS, um, but specific to small and mid-cap stocks um, in this portfolio, the global small and mid-cap uh, strategy that we manage, We've been managing that for nearly 12 years now, so for well over over a decade. Um, outside of the the global small and mid-cap strategies, we have many other small and mid-cap strategies at the firm. We've been running these strategies for, for decades. Um, in fact, if you actually look across our firm, our company today, and dedicated small and mid-cap strategies, um, we run roughly about $50 billion in U.S. dollars in dedicated small and mid-cap strategies. So, We've been at it for a long time as a firm. We've been at it at a, for a long time specific to this strategy, the global strategy. Um, and I do think we we hopefully bring a lot of institutional knowledge to this asset class um, that's really been developed over, like I said, many, many years. Well, Nick, that's been so fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing those insights. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. We've been talking to Nick Paul from MFS Investment Management, the sponsor of today's episode. Join us again next week to delve deeper into the investment approach employed for small and mid-cap stocks. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 